Welcome to Beyond the Breakwater, where just beyond the crashing waves of fear, discomfort, and doubt lies the greatest potential for life transformation. We want to guide you into the open waters where the calculated risk you take becomes the turning point for you or your organization to thrive. So drop your anchors and prepare for departure in this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater. All right, we're back again this week with another episode of Beyond the Breakwater. Um, I'm Lindsay, and with me is Ed. Good to see you, Lindsay. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Some of these are really hard, and I think today's uh-huh. going to be one of those conversations that it might be a little challenging for us to deliver it in a really good way, mm-hmm. um, but it might also be a little bit hard for the person who's listening today to really go, wow, this is really um, this is a really important topic today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Lord, be with us now because it is it is going to be challenging. We're going to be talking about the scorecard of the church, um, what that has looked like historically, what it looks like moving forward, um, what it could look like. Um, so Ed, what would be the, how, do, how are churches keeping track of their success? What are some of their metrics and their benchmarks today? I think what you just said is interesting that we're using the word success. Um, how do you know if the church, I mean, I know we're going to use a lot of weird terms here. How do you know if you're winning? How do you know if the church is successful? Um, how do you know if the church is accomplishing what God wants it to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And because that's such a hard thing to do, I mean, it's what kind of a metrics do we use? And unfortunately, I think we're using some metrics that are self-perpetuating, um, a lot of what we're getting, because we can look now, we can look in history and see over the last 20 years, I mean, we're reaping everything that we've been sowing over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about metrics, um, and and I don't mean to be offensive, but this might feel offensive to people, and pastors might really struggle with this, and church people might really struggle, mm-hmm. because the current metrics that most churches use is how much, how many, how often. Mm. Like, how many come to your church? Um, it's so funny whenever pastors get together, because you'd swear when pastors get together, that's kind of like a fish story. You'd swear every church in the community is growing by leaps and bounds. Hmm. But you know they're not, because they always talk about how many. Well, maybe it's on one Sunday, the biggest Sunday they had of the church year, and they're saying, well, that's how many come to my church. Yeah, one time. Hmm. Yeah, how about all the rest of the times? So we like to measure how many are coming, in fact, pastors are notorious to say, how big is your church? And then if it's, oh, you're bigger than we are, oh, then I feel a little less than. Mm-hmm. Or if my church is bigger than somebody else's church, then it's just like, oh, it's bigger. Mm-hmm. It's not my church. It's not any of our churches. But pastors really struggle with this because what are the right metrics? Is it really how many come mm-hmm. to church? Jesus said 12. Right. How many come to the church? How often do they come? And what are they getting engaged in? What are they doing? And how much are they giving? So people are looking at their budgets and budgets are going up and down. And over these last three years, we know that that churches have been in decline. I mean, we were looking the other day, you and I were looking at average church sizes, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was uh, in like the early 2000s, it was at 70, 75 was like the average church size and then in 2021, I think it was 64. And then in 2023, it's 60. 
So we've lost, it doesn't sound like a lot, you know, we lost from 75, you mm -hmm. know, down to 65, and then we went from 64, and then we went from 64 to 60. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound like a lot until you start thinking about, wow, that's, you know, 8% a year. Well, yeah. if you do that for 10 years, that's 80% of your church is gone. Yeah. And so that becomes really that's significant, which is why I think churches for the first time are looking ahead going, mm -hmm. do we have an expiration date? Right. Because how many are coming mm -hmm. is going down, mm -hmm. how much they're giving is going down, and how often they come is going down. Where it used to be three times a month, used to be active, mm -hmm. then it went to two times a month, became an active person. And now if you say, oh, are you active? Yeah, I'm really active in my church. Oh, great. How many times do you go? Oh, I go about once a month. Mm. And that's so, the new active so by you saying the churches today are reaping what they've been sowing and measuring for over the last 20 years, what do you mean by that? And why is it wrong to measure things like how many and how often? I think when we measure how many come to church, that's just a barometer. But I'm not sure that's the right measurement. Because if we're measuring how many, then where do we put all of our energy and effort into? Oh, we need to do outreach in order to get more people to come to the church. Hmm. So all of a sudden our evangelism and our outreach has a purpose of, of gathering. Hmm. Like we're reaching into the community to say, we need you to come to our church because our numbers are down. We want our numbers to go up. Mm -hmm. um, oh, we got to have a better kids program so that we can attract more people to get our numbers up. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it really focuses heavily on the gathering church and when people aren't coming, then we feel like, oh, we must be failing. You got to work harder. Mm -hmm. You're not working hard enough, pastor. Work harder. And everything I'm reading is that pastors are exhausted since COVID mm -hmm. because they're working twice as hard as they've ever worked. And yet their churches are declining twice as fast as they were before COVID. Hmm. Is there a difference of making the church and its programs better versus attractional? Because isn't there some merit to saying we want the best kids program or we want the best worship. I think that's wonderful. I think you should always give God your best. Mm -hmm. We should always be working for the Lord, giving the Lord our very best. So to the very best of your ability and talents is what we should be offering to God. Mm -hmm. But I want to shift a little bit because okay. there's an assumption here. This is why this conversation's hard. Mm -hmm. The assumption that we're making is that the church of today is really about gathering. Mm -hmm. gathering around the Word of God, gathering right. around community, yeah. gathering around sacraments. It's the gathering church. But when we look at the scriptures, what we find is that God is ascending God. And we see that he sent forth his son in Galatians 4.4. 4. Mm -hmm. When the time was right, God sent forth his son. Mm -hmm. We think about um, Christmas, you know, God sends Jesus mm -hmm. into the world. We think about Abraham, God sent him to the land of Canaan. We think about Moses, God sent him back to Egypt to bring his people into the land of Canaan, which he didn't, um, didn't get to go there. But then he sent Joshua to take them into the promised land. Mm. I mean, Jesus sends the 12 disciples out. Jesus sends the 72 out. God sends Paul and Barnabas, Timothy, the Bible is filled, the whole book of Acts is filled with send, mm -hmm. you know, you'll be my witnesses. And Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, go. Mm -hmm. The message is always go. Isn't that the yeah. last thing Jesus said? Right. Yeah. Is to go make disciples. 
So it's like there is there is a gathering of people, but there is a mobility yes, as well. That's a good way to say it because the church is mobile. And I think somewhere we get so caught up when we start, especially all the metrics of how many, how mm-hmm. much, how often. Mm-hmm. Um, why aren't we measuring in terms of the impact in our communities? Hmm. Yeah, that is a good point because it's like when when the question is and the metric is how many people can you get here? I think you said it earlier, but it's like when that's the metric, everything, the filter that you're using for everything that you're doing is to get people there, whether it is attractional or missional. But yes. I think the easiest and most traditional way that we've approached the the sending, if you will, or getting people into the doors is that attractional model. So what is the shift? What is the necessary shift that needs to happen to go from being um, having metrics that are gathering to sending or both? I think there is some both, okay. but I think the majority has to be the opposite of the gathering, which is ascending. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the difference between internal and external. Um, let me give a really good resource. It's a book by Reggie McNeil mm-hmm. called Mission of Renaissance. I read the book multiple times. And I have to tell you that the first time I read it, I mean, I just think the world of Reggie. And he's spot on. And when I read the book the first time, I got so frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I have notes all over the book. I got so frustrated because I'm like, the church can't do this. This mm-hmm. is impossible. There's no way the church is going to do this. What was impossible about it? Because he had such a strong external, he's the one who really okay. authorized or authored, you know, how much, how many, how often. Mm. Um, he's the one that put that down. A lot of what we're talking about is really notes from him. But I think the difference that we're coming from, which is on the podcast, we're not here to tell you about his book, just necessarily. Mm-hmm. But we've been living in this world now. So now what we're doing is we're taking what Reggie has written, which is really stellar, Mm -hmm. and we're applying it and we're saying, how does this apply to things like a grocery store, an auto store, healthcare clinic? And we're doing those kinds of things Mm -hmm. externally. And there's a whole different set of um, metrics that we're using. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait, hold up. For people who might be first-time listenings, you're like, wait, a a food grocery store? I thought we were talking about church metrics. Where does that all tie in? It ties in because our church over the last, well, I've been here 15 years. And since I've been here, my heart's always been external. Mm-hmm. When I interviewed at the church, um, I told the elders, um, just so you know, my office is going to be the least used space in the whole building. And they all bust out laughing. And I said, why are you laughing? They said, well, where are you going to be? I said, I'm going to be where the people are. Mm-hmm. They said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I'm going to be in the community. Isn't that what the church is about, being in the community? I mean, so I think I'm wired that way, that I care about the impact that the church is having in the community. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that when the church, and I mean people from the church, are in the community, the church is now in the community. Mm-hmm. So we have organized ministries which we call entrepreneurial ministries, like a grocery store. It's a business, but it's a ministry. And so this is why we call it an entrepreneurial ministry. Mm -hmm. But we use metrics like how many people are we serving? That matters to me. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how many people ask pastors in particular, oh, so how many people are coming to your church because of the grocery Mm -hmm. store? And I look at them and I just smile because like, that's not my metric. Yeah. Yeah. My metric is not how many are sitting in the pew because we we have a grocery store. 
I have a different metric. My metric is how many people did we get to pray for, pray with in the grocery store. Now, that may sound crazy. I mean, last time I went to Walmart, nobody prayed with me. <laughs> in fact, nobody's ever prayed with me at Walmart. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's a common thing when you come into the Bridge Food Center, when you're having a really bad day mm -hmm. and you're crying because something's going on for one mm -hmm. of our volunteers to say, would you like me to pray with you? Mm -hmm. And they say, I would love that. Mm -hmm. So we like to measure, that's the ministry right there. Right. That's the right. church in action. Yeah. And that's going to take some rerouting of of minds and thoughts and perspectives. Because even just the other day, we were talking to a church that um, they've been launching like a food ministry in their community and um, serving people um, meals every Wednesday. And on Thanksgiving Eve, they had um, 350 people come that they served a meal to. And that so was amazing, wasn't that, it? Yes, it was incredible. And just we were like, okay, how many people worship at your church? Because we wanted to point out kind of like this doesn't take a mega church to do. We said, right. how many people worship? And they were like, oh, well, 130. And they said in like a really disappointed. Right. And we're like, how many people did you serve? 350. But we only, we, we've got 130 or 150 at our church. And we're like, that's awesome. Okay. Capture that. Mm -hmm. Lindsay, that's exactly what we're trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. How many? Oh, 130, which is almost twice right. the size. Well, it's more than twice the size of the average church. Mm -hmm. If the average church is 60 and they're worshiping 130, they're more than two times bigger than the average church size. Mm -hmm. And they were embarrassed because we asked for the metric. Mm -hmm. And they were like, only 130. And then we were like, but how many did you serve in your community? And when they gave us that metric of 350, that's three times the size of the church. Yeah. So why is that measurement good? Why is that a, like a good thing if those people are not then coming to their church? You have to serve people sometimes for a really long time. And they may never come to the church. Can we go back to what Jesus said when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's so easy for the church to do. Mm -hmm. The second one is really hard. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. The church is in the love business. Mm -hmm. They're to go and love the way that God loves. They're to go into the communities and love in the same way with the great, same grace and compassion and empathy and kindness and mercy in the communities. God never said, oh, then they'll come to your church. Mm -hmm. In fact, I don't remember the last time when I read my Bible that I read that Jesus said, oh, I healed you. Mm -hmm. um, I'll see you in the synagogue on Sunday right, or on Saturday. He never said that. Yeah, He was just loving them. And I think the church is like, oh, if we're using it as a metric, how many people come to our church because of our outreach, I would tell you, you got it all wrong. Mm -hmm. The church should be saying, uh, how many hours have we spent in a community? Mm -hmm. How many people did we have the privilege of serving in whatever we're doing? Mm -hmm. You know, for me, um, it's really funny when people ask how many people go to the church. Um, I don't know. Um, I have to actually ask somebody else, you know, like, hey, how many, how many are coming to the church these days? Mm -hmm. I'm just not wired that way. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, we worked on over 18,000 cars in an auto garage. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, we took in our 538th car in donation in the auto garage. Mm. I can tell you on a daily basis, we serve about, we our sales are about $2,300 at the grocery store. 
That means about 2,300 items went out of the store that day, Mm -hmm. just in sales, plus we get bonus items, plus free bread and produce. So about 5,000 items are going out of the grocery store every time we're open. Mm -hmm. See, those metrics matter. And you know why they matter to me? Because we're in the people business, not the food business. Mm -hmm. So if you're coming into the grocery store and you buy groceries, we get a chance to love people. Yeah. So we want to know, well, how many people did we get to serve? How many came through the door today? Um, Because if we love enough, God always opens up the door for a chance to serve them. And maybe we always get to be Jesus to them. But every once in a while, we actually get to say something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why, why is it important for the church to have things like uh, the grocery store, healthcare clinic, auto garage? Why is it necessary for the church to have those and its metrics um, when I think today we could say like the individuals of the church are the ones to be mobilized and go out into the community. That's where you say like, as you go, like make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, name and Holy Spirit. Like that's the charge on individuals. Is it also the responsibility of the church? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think the individual is responsible to go. Now let's use our beyond the breakwater model. Mm-hmm. The individual comes in maybe to the marina for a great celebration of worship. And then when we're done, they leave and they go beyond the breakwater. And then they're out in school. um, They're out of college. um, They're going to work. um, They're going to the grocery store. Um, So God is calling all of us individually to get beyond the breakwater and to be Jesus to every single person we we meet Mm -hmm. because God is ascending God. Go, go in your going, make disciples. Don't just hang out at the church. Mm-hmm. Go. But then the beauty of the church, and you know this, the beauty of the church is that we get to do collectively a beyond-the-breakwater ministry that the individual is not capable of doing. I mean, one person's not capable of running an automotive garage. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have four full-time people and about three full-time volunteers. Um, it takes a lot of people, over 500 people, um, have served in some capacity in the, in the grocery store. And that was metric from years ago. It's probably mm-hmm. well over a 1,000 now. So it takes a lot of people to do these ministries. Mm-hmm. And that's a metric that really matters because that just means you've got people that are working together beyond the breakwater to love and care for every person who may not know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what are some of the ways that churches can start changing their metrics? I mean, you've said... Um, How many people are you serving? So if they don't have an auto garage, a grocery store, like most churches don't have that, would the starting point be to like launch something or would the starting point be to change the metric and then have that be your filter for what you're doing? Yeah, I don't suggest that churches go out and start something unless God's put it on their heart. But where's God working in the community? Is he working at um, a shelter? Is he working at a homeless place? Is he working out in the streets? And start encouraging the streets to be very intentional about going out into the streets if you've got homeless people in your community. If it's um, a shelter, um, do they need volunteers? You know, what can the church do to say to the the people in the church, here's opportunities for you to go serve Mm -hmm. and allow them and encourage them to go, go and do something in the community, for somebody, loving them the way that Jesus did. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So how did Jesus love others? Because I think that's something that churches are okay at right now, like sending their people, making them aware of volunteer opportunities in different places, um, in schools with like tutoring programs, at homeless shelters. But I think what we've been like trained to do, and actually this just happened to my sister-in-law the other day. She was just out eating dinner somewhere and someone came up to her and said, oh my gosh, I like your dress. Do you want to go to church with me on Sunday? Yeah, and that's like, probably not the best way to do it. Right. But it's like, that's kind of like, I think everybody could kind of like cringe mm-hmm. a little bit when they hear mm-hmm. that. But really it's like, that's, that is the pressure that we have is like, let's go and serve and then also share the gospel, share who Jesus is with these people with like a one sentence mm-hmm. structure. And do you remember when this happened with, oh, I like your dress, come to church with me. Did that person, you know, who was it? I think they belong to like a Mormon no, church. No, no, I mean, oh. I mean the person that... <laughs> Um, who was it? Your oh, my sister-in-law. Okay, yeah, so your sister-in-law, sister-in-law probably did not take a step towards that person. Like, oh, tell me oh, more. I really want to know right. more. Yeah, she probably, said, "I'm going to go to my church on Sunday." Uh-huh. <laughs> the walls probably went up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you physically take a step back mm-hmm. because it's just like, whoa, that's not the way to do this. I mean, they didn't even know each other's name, mm-hmm. right? You know, so the church needs to get into the community. Mm-hmm. And start knowing who people are and getting to know them by name. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's a simple thing: when you, if you go to a gas station regularly, do you know the person's name? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go to a restaurant regularly, do you know their name? Can you call them by name? Can you ask how their family's doing? Because mm-hmm. you've asked if they have kids or if they're, you know, you just asked them about them and, and they're telling you. And now you go in and you want to find out more and see how they're doing. Right. The church has to be set loose to get out of the church to serve. Mm-hmm. And the metrics, boy, any of those metrics are going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, how many of you went to a restaurant this week and prayed for your waiter or waitress? Mm. You know, how many of you um, know the names of, of the gas station attendant that take care? How many of mm-hmm. you learned somebody's name this week? Um, you can encourage, and I think the church can do a really good job of running metrics of external. But let's go back to this. Let's go back to what I said originally. Is it the gathering church? Is it about gathering? Because then we're using metrics of gathering. Mm-hmm. Or are the metrics about sending? Mm. And I think some of those metrics that I would use for a pastor, how much time do you spend in the church and how much time do you spend in your community? Yeah, And that's a huge metric. How much of the money is spent on the church and for the church and by the church and how much money is spent or used in the community? Mm -hmm. How much energy and attention is used on the facilities for you and how much is used for the community to be able to use your facilities? Yeah. You know, what are you doing for the community? And here'd be a good thing. If the church is really gathering and it's focusing on gathering and they closed, would anybody care? Right, right. Would it matter for most churches? And and I don't mean this, I, I'm not assaulting the church, but if a church closed and nobody cared, that church has not fulfilled the purpose that God has given to it, which is mm-hmm. missional and sending and impact and go share the love of Christ somehow in the community. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week, um, not Beyond the Breakwater, a different podcast, but they had said, like, your church, like, you need to do an audit of where your money is financially. And our, if we pulled that, they called it, they said, holy IRS, if that was pulled, would it show that more money was being spent going out into the community and focusing on caring for the needs of those there? 
or is more money spent on your guest speaker coming on a Sunday? It's a hard question. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really hard question. But I think with that also comes another thought of like, okay, if we change the scorecard of the church Mm -hmm. to be more externally focused, what if that does not pay the bills? What if that closes the church? It doesn't pay the bills. So how does the church, how are they sustained? Okay. That's living in the tension. And I have to say that's probably the hardest thing. And I think churches that are down to about 60 mm-hmm. are probably a little bit scared mm-hmm. because, wow, if I spend more time in a community, am I, am I, it's almost a desperation plea that I really want them to come to church. Mm-hmm. And if you are feeling a little bit more desperate and people pick up to that, pick up on that, they certainly don't want to go to the church mm-hmm. because they're like, well, you're really desperate for me to come to your church. Right. Um, but if they're being called to just go serve, and the way we define serving is doing something for somebody with no expectation of a return. Mm-hmm. That means I'm not expecting you to come to my church. Mm. I just want the privilege to serve you. Mm. Oftentimes, that's the thing that brings people to the church because they're like, oh, I felt so loved. Yeah, I want to come and check out this church and I want to see who you are. Mm. So it's almost, it's so counterintuitive. The yeah. harder we work at trying to build the church, oftentimes the more it declines. Mm. That's interesting. And the more that we focus on doing what Jesus did, and we do put it at risk. What happens if the church closes mm-hmm. because we're so busy trying to reach the community? To me, I think that'd be a great church. Yeah. As weird and as trying. hard as it says, it's just like, well, isn't it better to keep the church going, you know, and keep serving the church? And boy, this is every pastor's tension, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel called because God wants me to go. Uh, because ultimately, if the church has never been instrumental in helping somebody know Jesus, why are they existing? Mm-hmm. And the only thing that we can say is, well, because we're gathering around the Word of God every week. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, everybody in the church is going to heaven, mm-hmm. hopefully, if they know Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I think the church exists for those who aren't there yet. Yeah, yeah. We um we just went to a conference in Grand Rapids, um, and at one of the sessions, um, we actually kind of learned a lot about the sending church versus the gathering church. And there was kind of an aha moment for me in the verse that we have all heard. And I feel like a lot of people who are not believers can replicate like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And for the past year, I've been hearing like the emphasis on the word gave, like for God so loved the world that he gave us his son. Yeah. And then just this past time that we are at this conference and in the session, the emphasis was placed on for God so loved the world that he gave. And I was like, wow, like how much today are we as Christians and as the tension starts to exist between political parties and how it's getting, at least in America, a little bit more strenuous on believers to be in the world. Um, I'm seeing a lot of division happen of the church and the world saying, I'm not going to go to this restaurant that supports this thing. I'm going to stand on my ground here and and be removed from you. Yeah. But it's like, but God so loved the world that he gave us his son. Yes. And so that is the mission of God. And that is the mission of the church to not just be a church for the church, but to be a church for the world. Yes. I'll ju- I'm just going to piggyback what you're yeah. saying. He's called the church to love the world. Mm-hmm. But the church has huddled. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. isolated themselves and huddled as the church yeah. and stopped loving the world and wonder why the world is critical of mm-hmm. the church. Mm-hmm. Well, the church has no influence in the world because it's been huddling all of this time. Here's another one of these metrics that was probably one of the most gripping things when I was reading in the book, is asking the question to every church, who are you in competition with? And I was really, when I read that, I'm, you know, I paused and I'm like, huh, who are we in competition with? Mm-hmm. And you know what came to mind? Mm-hmm. I'm just being honest. Oh, what about the other churches in the community? Who are we in yeah. competition with? You know, yeah. I mean, what are what they happens, doing and what are we doing? Yeah. And what happens when one closes? Like, oh, we yeah. got a bunch of new members. Yeah. Yeah. And then I read the rest of it. Mm. Pastor, you're not in competition with other churches. You're in competition with the kingdom of darkness. Hmm. Mic drop. We could just end the whole podcast right there. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. that's a that's just a game stopper. That puts we a are huge not weight. Competing with churches. We are yeah. we are working together, bringing light and hope into a dark world. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom of darkness is trying so desperately to take life to destroy life. Mm-hmm. Kill, steal, and destroy is what mm-hmm. the enemy's goal is. And they're trying yeah. to destroy life. Jesus is trying to bring life so mm-hmm. that we might have it to the full. And the church has to see, like, this is this is who we're competing against. How does the church mobilize itself, yeah. get out of its four walls, get into the church, love the or get into the community, mm-hmm. love the community, love the world, and know that they bring light into a dark yeah. world. That's the thing that if churches would maybe wake up just mm-hmm. a little bit and realize yeah. you got the wrong metrics. So I think another tension that I'm picking up on that can exist in that too, and maybe just respond to this is um, I think it's with fighting back darkness, the argument could be then like, how are we equipping the church to do so? Um, because I think we would all say like that starts with scripture, that starts yes. with the knowledge of what we believe that God has called for our lives to look like, um, what it looks like to pursue holiness, what it looks like to be in relationship with God and in prayer and in community with one another, because we know that in isolation, like that's kind of where the enemy tends to strike on things. And so right. I think that's where as a, like, I'm not a pastor, but as a pastor saying like, okay, we need to gather as a, a holy assembly, the church, equip the saints for darkness. Like that's where that tension can kind of lie because I think that there is validity to that, but there's also then like what happens when we just, then we're sitting too closely in that huddle. So how do you balance that? Yeah. I think I'd like to come a little bit of a different angle at the same thing that you're talking about. Okay. I think today the church is being relied upon to be the spiritual feeder of people's lives. Almost like we have the goods and services, we have the Bible, so come to hear the Bible to be strengthened in your faith. We should be doing that every day as a believer in Christ. Mm -hmm. If I relied on one meal a week, I'd be famished. Mm Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I do is I'm eating, feeding from the Word of God every day so that I might be strengthened for what God has for me. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you, I mean, I like health. I mean, I like to weight train. But it's really nice to gather with others that are on that same path because that's encouragement, that's support. Mm-hmm. And so what we should be doing as a church is we should be feeding, self-feeding, mm-hmm. spending time with God every day, 
getting into the Word of God, listening to Christian music, podcasts you can listen to them. You can watch, listen to the best preachers so that when you come to your church, man, you've been worshiping all week. So now you're coming for encouragement and support, camaraderie. We get to hear the Word of God again. This is amazing. We get to sing together. This is incredible, better than alone in my car. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to do it together. You know, we get to maybe have communion together. This is amazing. And then we go off to the journey into the world to love the world. Mm. Because it's about, I've heard it said this way, and I really like this phrase, the church gathers to scatter. Mm. It gathers briefly to scatter. Mm -hmm. Reggie in his book uses this great analogy about an airport. You go to the airport to get somewhere. You don't go to the airport and say, I've arrived. Mm. Let's hang out in the airport all day. (laughs) And let's have meals and have fun and go to the airport just to entertain ourselves. Mm -hmm. Sometimes churches are guilty of the same thing. People should be coming to the church like an airport. Their destination is the world. Mm. So they come in to the airport. They get fueled up. Now get out of here because your real mission is out there. It's not here. So we're going to have Kids Creek. We're going to have ministry for kids, ministry for adults, ministry for for seniors, we're going to have great worship together, um, but we got to go. Yeah. Because this place is just a place to stop by. Mm-hmm. That's really To get good. where God's calling us. Yeah. Um, we're coming up on the end of a, a podcast here, and I have an idea for what listeners can do um, before they go. That's great because I don't have an idea. Great. <laughs> Works in our favor then. <laughs> um, so I would say, like, start reading the scriptures through the perspective of being a church and serving a God that is a uh, ascending God, an ascending church. I've been doing that over the past year, and it's like I've been going through the Bible in a year for the past three, almost four years now. <laughs> and just like having that transitional piece, it's like even just the smallest of things. Like I was in Acts the other day, and it was the end of Acts, and Paul had um, he had been sent out. He was like in the shipwreck, and then he was in the prisons and preaching the gospel, writing letters to churches. And then when he had seen his brothers, he was very glad and they encouraged him and then they all scattered again. Right. And it was like, even just that and just mm-hmm. Jesus's ministry, like look at Jesus's ministry, look at the early church, look at the Old Testament and it's everywhere. And I'm like, wow, we've just been so misled to now build our churches solely on gathering, um, where it, it is a gathering, but also a scattering. Right. And so I think we can all agree, like start with the scriptures um, and read it through the lens of sending. It's great. All right. We'll see everyone next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater, a podcast of Elevate Community Ministries. Don't let the conversation stop here. You can email us at hello at beyondthebreakwater.org. We would love to chat with you, answer questions, plan a visit, and help you take your next step. We'll see you next week.